Talk on RTHK Radio 3. Now, in the markets, the oil price is obviously the key focus of attention, and the WTI contract has in fact stabilised a little bit and turned positive. The May contract is now trading at the princely sum of $1 a barrel right now. Brent crude oil trading better than that. It's around about uh, $25.32 a barrel. That's all having an impact uh, on Asian equities. US stock index futures more or less flat now, having given up their earlier gains. The ASX 200 in Australia is down a quarter of a percent. Uh, stocks in Japan are also negative. The Nikkei 225 is off 1.2%. Uh, South Korean stocks also trading to the downside. They're off almost 1%. And it's going to be a similar story, I'm afraid, for the Hang Seng when Hong Kong, well, the Hong Kong market gets going in an hour's time. Looks like the Hang Seng is going to lose about 200 points at the open. Uh, a few other prices for you. Gold is trading at $1,691 an ounce. And in the currency markets, the Japanese yen 107.7 against the US dollar. Thank you for listening this morning. Do please join me again uh, tomorrow morning at 8 o'clock for further money talk. Back chats coming up after the 8.30 news. Hugh Chiverton and Ada Wong. The weather forecast. Sunny periods. Hot during the day. Going to be a maximum temperature of around 29 degrees. And the forecasters say the outlook is going to become cool appreciably with rain in the next few days. The weather will improve gradually early next week. It's 26 degrees right now. 84% relative humidity. 831, here's Samantha Butler with the half-hour news. The price of U.S. oil has turned negative for the first time in history. The main benchmark price closed at minus 37 U.S. dollars a barrel. Here's the BBC's Michelle Fleury. American crude oil is worth less than nothing. The coronavirus outbreak and efforts to contain it have led to a massive oversupply of oil, raising concerns about where to store it. Traders, instead of paying money to buy oil, are paying to get rid of it. America's West Texas market reflects the price of crude oil that is landlocked and relies on pipelines to get in and out. Contracts with later deadlines didn't fall as sharply. And the picture with American crude oil is unlikely to improve unless demand returns. And that depends on how the pandemic unfolds. President Trump at his daily briefing said the U.S. would add 75 million barrels to the National Reserve. Labour Party lawmaker Fernando Jung says the government needs to quickly introduce a third round of epidemic relief measures for the jobless. More than 28,000 people lost their jobs between January and March, pushing the unemployment rate to a nine-year high of 4.2%. Mr Jung says the government's two rounds of relief measures don't help the jobless and unemployment and under underemployment will worsen. We have to make it real quick because even the second round would not come into effect until June. And when people become unemployed, their income would be completely cut off and people cannot wait. The president of Madagascar has officially launched a locally produced herbal tea, which he claims is both a prevention and a cure for the coronavirus. That's despite the fact that health experts say there's no, as yet, no known cure or vaccine. Here's the BBC's David Bamford. President Andre Rajalina is promoting a herbal tea product, which he told diplomats and journalists had proved to be effective against the coronavirus, already curing a number of patients. Mr Rajalina said the herbal tea would be made available free of charge to the most vulnerable and at a very low price to anyone else who wanted to buy it. The liquid on offer is based on the Artemisia plant, used in traditional Chinese medicine for centuries. It's the source of an ingredient used in a malaria treatment. 
You're listening to the news on RTHK. Good morning and welcome to Back Chat. I'm Hugh Chivert and your co-host today, Ada Wong. Ada, good morning to you. Good morning, Hugh. Two topics today, the pandemic and politics. First, with no new cases being reported for the first time since early March, can virus control measures around town be reduced just a little bit at the moment? What about the economic relief measures? Is it time to reconsider those? Is Hong Kong ready to reopen, for example, government facilities, even the borders, and encourage civil servants to return to the office? Later, we're going to be discussing the ongoing dispute over Article 22 and the Liaison Office and the Hong Kong and Macau Affairs Office. Do you agree the Hong Kong government hasn't understood the basic law, as Tam Yu Chung now says? And what does interference actually mean in this context? context. Let us know your thoughts. You can leave a message on our Facebook page, Bankchat on RTHK Radio 3. You can email bankchat at rthk.hk or give us a call and our number is 233-88266. If you want to engage with a guest, that's probably the best thing to do. Pick up the phone and uh, dial us now on 233-88266. Joining us for the first part of the programme this morning, we have with us now Alan Zeman, Chairman of the Lang Kwai Fong Group, a well-known businessman around town, and Dr Arasina Ma, President of the Hong Kong Public Doctors Association. Uh, Dr. Ma, maybe we'll start with you. Good morning. Good morning. Thank you very much indeed for for joining us. So it's very good news uh, about there being no new cases um, reported. Um, Does that mean that we can just a little bit, do you think, ease off on restrictions? Um, I think, um, first of all, it is good news for everyone in Hong Kong, uh, uh, not only to the doctors, uh, I think, uh, but it is too early to say uh, whether we can um, be loosened or to take a deep breath because we can see that uh, actually for this disease and this pandemic, there is, uh, 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 they do have a fluctuated trend. Just take the example of Singapore. They have been in a very good control, same as us, for quite a long period of time. However, they have, uh, in these two weeks, they have a um, quick outbreak uh, in, uh, among the uh, uh, foreign workers. And actually their numbers are uh, strictly rising to the top among Southeast Asia. So I think it's still a bit too early to see. Ex- uh, ex- uh, especially we saw that there are many people uh, go out and uh, socializing during the Easter holiday. Uh, if you get infected during that period of time, the incubation period for, you, uh, for the disease is around 14 days. Uh, so I think in this coming two weeks or so, is still uh, high chance we got fluctuations about uh, the, 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 the newly confirmed cases, number of newly confirmed cases. So how, how's the situation in the hospital, Dr. Ma? So are, uh, are there enough um, protective equipment and everything you need? Um, actually, uh, the situation of the isolation ward, uh, the bed occupancy, the uh, workload of staff have improved uh, since the recent uh, two weeks as the number of newly confirmed cases has dropped. Uh, uh, at this moment, according to the, informa- the information provided by the hospital authority, for all those uh, protective equipment, we still have stock for at least two months. So uh, I think I will say uh, for if we can keep this uh, level or keep this status, uh, the condition will be quite um, safe for most of the healthcare workers. Uh, but uh, 
we can see that uh, because of cutting uh, regular medical surface and cutting regular medical beds for normal uh, other chronic disease, uh, we see the occupancy of um, uh, we say clean bed that is the be uh, medical beds for uh, chronic illness has actually goes uh, above one hundred percent again in uh, several major uh, public hospitals. Yeah, what has the knock-on effect been like for people with um, uh, non-urgent or chronic diseases? Actually, um, uh, after the um, recent Easter holiday, there is a long holiday and also there is some fluctuation of our weather. Uh, we find that actually there are quite a large number of patients um, uh, visited the uh, emergency room. Also, they have spent a long time in the emergency room to wait for the medical bed. Uh, also, uh, because uh, uh, there are so many elderly and people in court with chronic uh, medical disease uh, are, are relied on our public health care system providing them care. And in fact, uh, in recent months, we have uh, uh, cut some of the uh, follow-up appointments. We just uh, continue the um, medicine uh, prescription and so on. So uh, we find that the situation starts to be... Um, a bit unstable, and there are more and more visits to the emergency room for the uh, un un control of their chronic condition. Well, also with us, as I say, is uh, Alan Zeman. Uh, Mr. Zeman, good morning to you. So uh, good, good news as, as we hear from uh, for everyone in in, in Hong Kong. Um, yeah. uh, if we are going to relax the measures, um, how should we do it? What do you think should be the priorities? How should we think about this uh, de-escalation? I think, I think uh, we're waiting to hear what the government uh, comes out with. Uh, I think they have the expo meeting today, this morning, and uh, uh, I, I think that uh, we have to do it on a slow basis. I think they're talking about maybe some of these sports fields being or recreation areas being opened uh, and uh, step by step I know uh, I've been urged by many bar owners because they're closed uh, supposedly until the 23rd until this Thursday but uh, we've heard that the government's talking about another 14 days uh, of closure and many of them have asked uh, is there a way that uh, maybe you can do it like the restaurants 50 percent uh, uh, of their capacity is, is open for business and social uh, distancing and uh, all these kind of things. But uh, I tend to agree with the doctors that uh, as much as reluctantly as a landlord, uh, many tenants are not paying or having trouble paying. Uh, I agree that maybe we need to keep another 14 days, uh, you know, just seeing what's going on around the world in the U.S., uh, in the U.K., uh, in certain parts of Europe. Uh, it's frightening now, even Singapore, uh, as the doctor has said, uh, you know, which was, everything was good. Hong Kong, January and February was fine. We only had 95 cases. Suddenly, from March 1st to March 19th, uh, we didn't have quarantine. And uh, we had the returnees from the U.K. and from the uh, United States. And uh, the numbers just spiked up to the, you know, the end of uh, March with 750 cases. And so, um, you know, from 95. So we can see how a second wave can really come really, really quickly. And so I think that for Hong Kong's sake, I think uh, the doctors and the government has done a very good job in this case, uh, really keeping us as one of the safest cities in the world at the moment. And uh, I myself and along with the most Hong Kong citizens want to keep it that way. Um, so, Alan, um, good morning. Um, morning do you expect, um, you know, all the uh, bars and um, gyms and... Uh, 
massage, foot massage places, uh, all, all those places will continue to be closed for another 14 days? I think uh, that looks like uh, what the indication is from uh, my talks with certain people. Uh, uh, it looks like uh, that is the case, that they'd rather have, be safe uh, rather than uh, make a mistake and open too early. Uh, as we can see, this virus just transmits so quickly uh, amongst people. Uh, you know, we've seen uh, places uh, when they were open had cluster effects and, and uh, causes problems for everyone. And so I think that uh, it will be difficult for sure. Mm. Uh, but more and more people are going out. We saw this Easter holiday. Uh, uh, this is starting to recover a little bit. Uh, obviously, the government uh, helped with, uh, you know, with their packages, uh, the $80 billion package uh, yeah, I mean, is that is that money coming through? Because I know, for example, I know in the United States, for example, those those checks, you know, mailed by the federal government, they they've been received. We're we're nowhere near that. It seems in Hong well, luckily, Kong. Luckily, we're you. Luckily, we're not the United States. Um, for, we're we're much more efficient, I must say. And so I think that uh, no, no. But I'm saying uh, we haven't. We haven't. Through, it's supposed to start coming through in June, from what uh, we're. But told they've already got them in America. Uh, in America. Yeah, well, but they, the people, you know, started earlier than we did, and and, and uh, I think you know it just takes time to gear up. You're talking about a huge amount of money, talking about a lot of different uh, uh, establishments. That but but that's true. But that's true in the U.S. And, and also, I know in the, in the U.K., for example, uh, you know, uh, payments yeah, covering know. Um, you know eighty percent of wages, I, those kinds of things, they're already up and running uh, yeah, in, well, in, in other but places. But we seem to be a little bit behind in Hong Kong. I'm just wondering why. What's going on? But in fairness, uh, we didn't, you know, uh, actually our package is better than all the other packages. If you review the other packages, you know, the six months uh, that the government is giving, uh, you know, really, really helps. And I, I do understand there are some people that uh, uh, have not been covered by it, self-employed people and that kind of thing. And I think the government is looking at that and hopefully everyone can benefit from it. But uh, it is around the corner and, uh, and hopefully landlords uh, will uh, be tolerant uh, up to a point, as landlords as well have uh, mortgages to pay, many do, and, and uh, uh, that kind of thing. But I think in general, I must congratulate uh, everyone. We, you know, on the people of Hong Kong, we have done an amazing job up to now, and I'd like to keep it that way. Um, yes, but on the other hand, we have heard public health experts saying that um, uh, we need to um, learn how to live with this virus for the next um, 12 to 18 months. Yeah. So we, we really can't stop everything like what we're doing now. The, the, um, the movie theaters are not open and you no. know, the bars are not open. No. So how do we ease in? How, how should I, that start? Yeah, say that, that that's the, the big question around the world, actually. And I think we can see certain countries... Uh, Certain cities are starting to open a little at a time. Uh, we have not, we've been fortunate, we have not had a complete lockdown, except for certain industries. Uh, I think that uh, after the two weeks, uh, if that comes about uh, slowly, uh, they'll start to open up cinemas, they'll start to open up uh, bars, but maybe keeping the social distancing uh, at least for another couple of weeks after that to make sure. I think the uh, 1.5 meter separation between tables uh, has really helped, especially with restaurants. Uh, we can see the numbers have really just come right down. And 80% of the, uh, of the cases have been imported, if you look at all the cases that have come in in the, in the last little while. And so I think if we continue, that, that this is a new way of life, I guess, wearing a mask uh, 
Hong Kong is lucky because almost 100% of the population uh, now wears masks, and uh, that has really helped, uh, I believe, uh, you know, in, in, in keeping the numbers low. If I look around, sometimes I watch television, I see what's going on in other countries, and many people don't wear masks, and I think it's, it's a huge problem, and that's why you have the numbers that have spiked uh, in those countries. So uh, I honestly believe that... Uh, we're doing things right. We have to adapt to a new way of life. I mean, I don't like it any more than anyone else. Uh, it's uncomfortable wearing a mask, but you have to do what you do uh, because the last thing you want to do is get, get the virus. It is extraordinary when you see pictures of people in the UK, for example, in hospitals. They're waiting in hospitals and they're not even wearing masks in, in situations like that. Um, but but you, as you mentioned, you know, a lot of the recent cases have come from, have been uh, imported. Um, does that mean that uh, really we've got to rethink tourism or that at the very least tourists, re returning tourists should be on the very list, last of our uh, list of priorities? I mean, I think this is going to be, you know, it depends how quickly the rest of the world recovers. I mean, unfortunately, people's livelihoods, many of the businesses depend on tourists, depend on business people uh, coming, you know. But if uh, they are a threat abroad. to public health, if they are, by their nature, a threat to public health, then... There, there can be, and, and I think uh, it'll be a similar kind of thing. I think before you get on an airplane now, uh, if the new regulation will probably be taking your temperature, maybe a, a, a quick swab test or that kind of thing to say, listen, before uh, we've had these barriers at the airport uh, going through before the terrorists uh, decided to, to attack airplanes, uh, you know, we used to walk on airplanes without going through any security, and suddenly they put that in. So you're going to have a new uh, health declaration, maybe before you travel, uh, going to your doctors. Uh, I mean, uh, uh, probably a whole new way of life uh, that we will have to adjust to, and uh, it'll slow things down, but uh, to keep things safe, and possibly until a vaccine comes about in 12 to 18 months, the way the doctors are saying. I mean, we're really lucky. I, I've gotten calls from the UK where the NHS, uh, the, the hospital of uh, people, just don't have PPE, don't have equipment, uh, and they're asking, can I help in getting equipment, masks and, 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 and gowns and other things, uh, that they, they just don't, they're, they're totally short. And they're using the same mask for five days in a row. And, and so we're, we're very fortunate. You know, you hear horror stories, and, and, and mm -hmm. uh, it's, you know, I, I really feel lucky at this point to be in Hong Kong. Uh, Alan, uh, so, sorry, uh, does it mean that we have to have a rethink on the sort of very big facilities that we are building, like those uh, in the uh, West Kowloon um, Cultural District or like the theme parks that we have, you know, still having expansion well, plans uh, and at the uh, Ocean Park? Uh, I, 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 Ada, I think, I think that uh, we will have to uh, practice, continue to practice math. Continue. At the moment, what works is uh, if you go to a restaurant, you have to... You have to wear a mask. Your temperature is taken uh, before you come in. Uh, your hand sanitizers, and maybe this will be the new norm that you'll have to do for big places. Well, like we can't do the 1.5 meters in an opera house. And, and, and uh, well, uh, 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 maybe it'll be every other seat until a vaccine comes about. Once a vaccine comes about, hopefully, if they can have a vaccine, hopefully things will settle down uh, and the virus will disappear. Listen. It had SARS. It, with SARS, the virus disappeared on its own without a vaccine, you know. And so, and so, uh, you know, hopefully it burns itself out. And and, and uh, if you don't have the transmission, who knows where it came from? And uh, I think until we have the vaccine, this will be a new way of life.
Okay, uh, 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 Mr. Zeman, I, I mean, I know we invited you on to talk about uh, the, the pandemic and measures and, and, and so on, but we've had two questions, which I'll throw at you anyway. Uh, I, on, I knew you would. Well, they, <laughs> they, they came in, so uh, you, you're, you've got broad shoulders. Um, uh, Jalal says, glad you have Alan Zeman on the programme, so government lies can be parroted by a warm body. Ask Alan to explain this 2007 position painter paper by the Constitutional Mainland Affairs Bureau, explaining that the liaison office was set under Article 22. There's a link to that paper uh, and also Matthew in an email says Alan do you agree with NPC Standing Committee member Tamu Chung that the two offices are exempt from Article 22 and have always had the power to supervise matters relating to the SAR even if this was not stated in the basic law Mr Zeman you know, uh, it's a very difficult question I know it's, it's the topic at the moment uh, I think that uh, basically uh, if we look at it whether we like it or not China is the landlord uh, which is basically thought we are part of China. Um, the inter inter uh, listen, everyone thought up to now that, uh, yes, the uh, and, and uh, HKMA okay, were... But we have uh, a contract. If he's, the la if he's the landlord, we have a contract, and we have terms uh, in that contract. Can the landlord... Yes, but, but, but you also, you also, we also seen in the past where the state council can overrule uh, whatever to, to make sure that uh, Hong Kong uh, stays and the security, uh, both for Hong Kong and for the, the China. And so uh, I, I think it is important for both sides, really, once and for all, to clarify, because we've seen in the past where State Council has just overruled certain matters that Hong Kong people thought were, were part of the basic law and the one country, two systems. And so I think that uh, in the worst way, it can just go back to Beijing if they really want to uh, overrule. I think, I think that uh, in this case, um, I think that, uh, listen, uh, I personally believe that uh, Dennis Kwok, you know, this all evolved from Dennis Kwok, the warning against Dennis Kwok, the legislator that for six months has been stalling off, of, you know, electing a new chairman. I think that uh, it does stifle, listen, it affects everyone in Hong Kong because when LESCO is not functioning properly, uh, everyone's life is, is, is affected. And, and I think that uh, this is something that... Uh, uh, you know, I think they were the uh, both uh, councils just came out and to, to make a warning that uh, uh, listen, uh, you know, we, we have to we're here to to look after the good of Hong Kong, and that's basically uh, I believe what they did. And of course, everybody uh, jumped up, and uh, yes, the Hong Kong government didn't do themselves any favor by correcting but uh, three different statements. Uh, you know, this this I believe what Tammy Chung is saying is maybe uh, they need to understand the basic law more, and, and, and uh, we've had Patrick Smith this morning coming out with apologies and whatever, but once and for all, I think we all need to get it clear in our heads. We are part of China. Once and for all, uh, you know, uh, that if we conduct ourselves in the right way, I, I believe China doesn't want to get involved. If everyone just conducts themselves in the right way, China will uh, be hands-off and let Hong Kong continue uh, the way it does with Macau at the moment. And so uh, I think that uh, this is when, when, when they see that things are not functioning and the livelihood of many people is being affected, they need to step in and say something. And uh, I think that's exactly what they did. And so, uh, you know, and so I put one, listen, I love Hong Kong the same as everybody else, and I, uh, and, and I just want our lifestyle to continue in the right way. Uh, okay, I know you've got a... Um 
thick skin yeah. stroke broad soldier so i just read this comment <laughs> comment from victor uh who says please don't give a platform to alan zeman to peddle his wares you can see how self-interest <laughs> colored his political views previously and his convictions change when put to the test hard to listen to his disingenuous attempts to redeem himself on the subject of the virus <laughs> well the good thing is it's a free country so everyone's entitled to their opinion and so uh I've got admirers, and I also have detractors, and so it's just that comes with the territory when you're a public figure, I guess. Okay, I know, I know you've got to go. So thanks very much yeah. indeed for for, for joining us, Zeman, the uh, chairman of the Lancashire Fund Group. Uh, Doctor Ma, you, you're you're still there. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Thanks, thanks once again for joining us. You know, looking looking ahead, then um, we, you know uh, we were talking there about perhaps changes to, uh, for example, tourism patterns of tourism uh, in Hong Kong and around the world. What, what do you think we, are the lessons for uh, for our hospital authority, for our public health services uh, in Hong Kong that we should be? What should? How should we approach things differently? Do you think in future? Um. Um. First of all. Um I think um, we, as what we have done this time, we really need to get prepared for the, uh, those um, pandemic infectious disease all the time, get the equipment and stuff uh, well stocked, and also we need to pay close attention to the uh, places surrounding us. Um, at the beginning of our, uh, this pandemic, uh, we did not do very well because uh, 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 we just, uh, um, just trust those information from mainland official and being too optimistic. Uh, we think that the disease are not going to transmit it among human and there is no lethal cases. But however, uh, as we know more from the media, uh, all those uh, informations from the Chinese official actually is sort of misleading. So uh, we do need to pay very close attention to the places surrounding us. About a release to tourism, I'm a bit, um, uh, uh, I'm a bit um, guarded about this idea uh, because the a pandemic uh, over the world is still uh, quite serious. And I'm sorry to say that Hong Kong is one. We've got the reputation that we are the only one, only few, uh, one of the few countries who offer. Uh, very um, uh, forthcoming medical care for the ankle V patients. In many Western countries, you are asked to stay home until you are quite symptomatic, which is uh, another way around in Hong Kong. Uh, in fact, some uh, Hong Kong uh, 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 people who have stayed in overseas country, they are thinking whether shall we return to Hong Kong in order to get the medical care for the ankle V. Uh, and you so think, was that the right decision? Do you think that was a good for us that we, that we offered uh, free care? Actually, we offer, uh, we offer, although we are not offering free care to the um, non-Hong Kong citizen, but we do offer care for everyone. Mm. Some we charge them, some we don't. Um, I think it is important uh, for uh, how we control the disease in Hong Kong. We want to test as many as possible and treat as many as possible, same as uh, detain as many as possible. I think this is the right direction in the places as highly populated as Hong Kong. Um, so, but we may able to loosen some, uh, let's say for the uh, anti-gathering policy, we can loosen a bit. But for places like bar, uh, uh, bar uh, uh, the, the massage and the big theme park, I'm a bit uh, concerned about that. Maybe we can uh, let more people return to work, especially the uh, civil servant, and uh, make things, uh, keep care the, the job, the things carrying on first. And then we uh, slowly, uh, gradually releasing some of the social activity and so on. And um, 
but uh, there's one thing, although I'm not the expert of the political side, uh, I would like to say even the medical field do feel uh, worried about the recent act of the Chinese uh, government, especially to the interpretations of the basic law and also their power towards our electrical counselor. So I think uh, this worry uh, most of the Hong Kong people. We lost our confidence towards the mainland as well as to the Hong Kong mm. government. It will also affect uh, our uh, daily uh, uh, administration, even our, um, let's say, our public service. When you lose confidence to the government, you lose confidence to your um, healthcare officials, same as your hospital authority. Okay. Uh, uh, S in an email says, I want to thank the doctor and all the medical staff for their services in these difficult times. It was a good idea to insist on closing the borders. Thank you. That comes uh, from uh, S. Uh, G says, surely it's time for the government to get back to work. They are paid to do so. Open up all open-air sports facilities, but limit numbers of users at uh, any one time. And uh, Mr Pink says, the government should not relax any of the existing virus measures. Disastrous situation in Singapore. Uh, is a stark reminder of how things quickly unravel if we prematurely lower our guard. Uh, perhaps if daily cases stay in single digits through the end of April, government can then consider relaxing some of the social restrictions beginning with gyms. However, the government should certainly not make any changes to the current measures for inbound travellers. For example, mandatory testing, 14-day quarantines and so on, until daily cases in overseas countries also fall to insignificant levels, a scenario which currently seems weeks, if not months, away. Government might then select, consider selectively relaxing quarantine rules for countries which has achieved specific targets. That uh, from uh, Mr Pink. Thank you very much indeed for that. Uh, uh, quite a few uh, emails on uh, our uh, second topic today, on the political issue, uh, touched on there by uh, Dr Ma. Uh, also, Mike, in an email, says, with reference to Alan Zeman, listen to the landlord, defend his landlord. Hilarious. That comes from Mike. Thank you very much indeed for that. Thank you to Dr Arasina Ma, who's president of the Hong Kong Public Doctors uh, Association. So we're turning to politics after the news at nine. Before that, the weather... Sunny periods, hot, temperatures up to about uh, 29 degrees, 27 degrees now. Humidity is at 83%. The federal government provides him with financial aid. The governor gave the warning at his daily coronavirus update. Mr Cuomo reported a little under 500 new deaths, the lowest figure for two weeks. You're listening to the news on RTHK. Welcome back. This is Back Chat on a Tuesday morning with Ada Wong and me, Hugh Chiverton. We were talking in the first part of the programme uh, principally about uh, the uh, good news, about uh, latest figures for uh, COVID-19 infections in Hong Kong, known, uh, reported uh, yesterday, and uh, the prospects for the future. We were joined by uh, Alan Zeman then, as well as uh, Arasina Ma. Uh, we're talking mostly politics in the second part of the uh, programme today, between now and 9.30, and uh, principally the uh, controversy over uh, Article 22 and the role of the Liaison Office and the Hong Kong and Macau uh, Affairs Office in Hong Kong, as well as uh, uh, possible connections to the, the arrests of um, uh, many pro-democracy uh, figures um, over the weekend. Um, on that topic uh, and on everything else, you can uh, email bankchat at rthk.hk and uh, we'll do our best to read out your comments um, or you can uh, comment on our Facebook page as well, that's Backchat and RTHK Radio 3 and everyone can see them there. Or you 
you can just pick up the phone, give us a call. We'd love to hear from you. 233-88266 and talk directly to us and to our guests and to Hong Kong. Okay. Uh, Richard refers to, first of all, in an email, to a uh, to a uh, an email we had yesterday uh, from Toby, uh, who, is a, who is a serving police officer. Um, uh, Richard says, the email from your so-called police contributor, if he even is such, yesterday is telling. He attacked Alan Lung for not having evidence that China was behind the arrests. I don't think political commentators need evidence for a widely held assumption in the community air to air such assumption. Backchat is not in a court, or not yet. If that's how the police regard freedom of speech, the rule of law is in more jeopardy than I first thought. That is from uh, Richard. Thank you very much indeed, uh, Richard. Uh, Now, uh, in the introduction to today's programme on Facebook uh, and so on, I did uh, point to uh, those comments by uh, Tam Yu Chung, uh, indicating that uh, he thought that the SAR government had had misunderstood um, the basic law. Uh, Matthew, in an email, says, Of course, the Beijing loyalist, former DB chairman, MPC standing committee member Tam Yu-chung, is correct. The SAR government had not grasped the basic law. That's because the CCP just twisted and distorted it to suit their own purposes. That's what authoritarian dictatorships do. In the blink of an eye, we go from the key basic law principle of, quote, Hong Kong people administering Hong Kong, to being told by Comrade Tam that the, quote, the two offices always had the power to supervise matters relating to the SAR, even if this was not stated in the basic law, and even if the government itself didn't quite understand it, unquote. I wonder if Tam Yu Chung, Ronnie Tong, Regina Yip, or any other of the CCP apologists running around now trying to justify this are on record before this week, declaring that the two offices were not subject to Article 22. Once again, these people are betraying Hong Kong people in return for their own power and privilege. That comes from uh, Matthew. Um, Alan says, uh, Alan Zeman said, we we have to remember that China is the landlord. So his idea, not incorrect, is that China, is that Beijing can do whatever it likes and no one dares contradict them. Same as the way he runs Lang Kwai Fong. Landlords like him drive Hong Kongers into poverty. Now he says it's a free country. Right. Free for him to suck up to the CCP. Not for, for example, the 15 arrested a few days ago for expressing their opinions or anyone if they pushed through Article 23. Uh, that comes uh, from Alan, and there's a gratuitous insult to end that as well. Uh, John says, before the Easter weekend, Hong Kong's cases were up in double digits. How is it possible that since the beginning of Easter, the virus seems to have disappeared? It seems almost too good to be true. And finally, Bowen, with the subject line, the cat has been let out of the bag, says, Dear Backchat, the Bar Association's further statement uh, yesterday about, among others, Article 22, uh, one of the basic law, is clearly correct. The Liaison Office and the Hong Kong Macau Affairs Office are clearly organs of the central government. Whether or not they are departments, offices set up under Article 22.2 doesn't matter. The operative words are in Article 22.1. You can give these organs the name of offices, commissions, agencies, or indeed anything, but giving them a name other than department does not exempt them from the prohibition in Article 22.1. In mature legal jurisdictions where it's contended that the original meaning of the Constitution differs from that ascertained from its wording and structure, the courts are able to have access to documents contemporaneous with the drafting of the Constitution but before its formal enactment to settle the dispute. Here, those relevant documents, if they exist, are concealed from the court and so the Constitution effectively means whatever the authorities say it means at any time and without having to 
produce proof. That is not law by world standards. We can also analyse the facts of the question in dispute chronologically. If, as Tam Yu Chung now claims, the Hong Kong government's understanding of the basic law and the structures of the mainland authorities has been wrong, why did the central government not correct it, which it has had a long time to do? The SAR government and others have long contended that the liaison office did not interfere in Hong Kong's internal affairs, such as LegCo's elections, which everybody knows is not true. If the intention of the central government has all along been that the office is exempt from Article 22.1, why is it not pointed that out? Either it didn't hold that view before, or it knew if it admitted to the liaison office being exempt and was therefore justified in interfering in Hong Kong's internal affairs, that would be tantamount to admitting that the central government has been in breach of its promise in the joint declaration to grant Hong Kong a high degree of autonomy except in foreign and defence affairs. Those thoughts are from Bowen. Thank you very much indeed. Our email backchat at rthk.hk. Joining us uh, for this part of the programme, we have now uh, political commentator Joseph Cheng, uh, former professor of politics at uh, City University. Uh, Mr Chang, good morning to you. Good morning. Thank you very much indeed for, for joining us today. Uh, what do you make of this? Do you think that the uh, the government didn't properly understand it or do you think that Beijing has just uh, changed the rules? Well, this is a bit complicated. In, in the first place, um, we may very well have a constitutional crisis. The Bar Association has come out with an interpretation, with a statement that it rejects the uh, interpretation that uh, the two officers um, do not come under Article 22 of the uh, of the uh, Basic Law, and they can therefore issue commentaries and guidance to the judiciary, to the legislature in Hong Kong. Now, and, and the pro-democracy legis legislators have made it very clear that they are not going to accept this uh, supervisory role of the two officers. Um, even Ronnie Tong has admitted that uh, perhaps the standing committee of the National People's Congress uh, has to come out uh, to interpret the basic law. Uh, if, he, if he has to do that, then we all know what the verdict will be. But we do have this constitutional, potential constitutional crisis. The second point is that um, the Constitutional and Mainland Affairs Office of Hong Kong has absorbed the blame, for unfortunately and unfairly. The Bureau. The Bureau. <laughs> the Bureau, yeah. yeah. <laughs> it has uh, absorbed the blame. But in this most recent statement, it has indicated that, well, the central government had authorised, had authorised the two officers to assume this supervisory role. Therefore, it is legitimate for Hong Kong people to ask, when did this authorization when did this authorization was issued uh, uh, was issued to the two officers by the central government when did this happen when was it when, uh, and why and whether the bureau has been informed or not if it had not been informed then this is certainly very strange very uh, and and very scary and if it has been informed, then it would be very difficult to explain the free versions of the interpretations issued recently by the, by the Bureau. So the Bureau has the responsibility to explain 
what of when did this authorization uh, was issued, and what was the content of this authorization? Uh, what does this supervisory role include? What does it cover, and so on? Then the third point is that the Hong Kong SAR government has the legitimate responsibility of defending Hong Kong people's rights. It is extremely damaging for the two officers to assume this supervisory role and issue uh, guidance and commentaries on the actions of the court of Hong Kong, uh, on the judiciary of Hong Kong, as well as on the behavior of legislators in the legislature. Now, even if we accept that the central government has the right, has the power to issue such authorizations, the Hong Kong government still has the responsibility for the interests of Hong Kong people to advise the Hong, to advise the central government that this is probably not the right way to do things. Or at least, even if the officers have the supervisory role, well, the two officers can send their opinions to the central government so that the central government can issue instructions to the Hong Kong SAR government and avoiding these uh, commentaries and statements and guidance from the two officers, which, as we have all been saying, are quite damaging. So these are the three important points that I would like to offer. Now, I would also like to highlight one one very, very important fact which has been ignored. The Hong Kong branch of the New China News Agency before also served as the front of the Hong Kong Party organization, namely the Work Committee of Hong Kong. The same applies to the centralized office of Hong Kong today. Now, it is extremely damaging that this party organization, as well as the centralized office, uh, it assumes the function of coordinating and guiding all the party cells, all the party organizations within the territory, including election activities. So on one hand, it directs the election campaigns of the entire pro-Beijing United Front. On the other hand, it issues commentaries, uh, supervisory guidance to the legislature and the, and the judiciary of Hong Kong. That's extremely dangerous, extremely ridiculous, and extremely compromising regarding Hong Kong's high degree of autonomy and the one country, two systems model. Um, right, Professor Chang, we, we now know that um, when the uh, liaison office was set up um, in, in the year 2000, around that time, yes, yes. Uh, it was, um, um, you know, it was set up uh, to be a liaison office and uh, the then head of the liaison office was uh, Zhang Enzhu and uh, we, we looked at uh, what he said in, in his opening remarks uh, of the office and he said uh, this will be, um, the office will be, uh, you know, a bridge between um, the uh, central people's government and also Hong Kong and the, it's, it's basically a liaison role and it... Um, uh, would, uh, ne never was it uh, stipulated that uh, they they could intervene uh, into Hong Kong affairs. So something has changed, uh, and and the question is why has it changed? And um, so what is the motivation behind the change? And what 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 do you think will come next? 
Well, that's, uh, I agree with you entirely. It has the name of centralized office, not central supervisory office. <laughs> I mean, it would have been very scary if it has adopted the name. And actually, according to Chinese uh, party and government practice, it is extremely rare for an organ of the same rank to assume a supervisory role of another organ, of another branch of government. Uh, usually, the supervisory role will be assumed by a government, by a government organ, one hierarchy, one rung higher than the organization, than the government to be supervised. Theoretically, the Hong Kong SAR government and the centralizing office are on par. And it is, as I was saying, it is not the usual practice for a for an organization of the same rank to supervise another organization. Now, going back to your point, um, the situation is rather grim. To use the words of some of our pro-democracy legislators, the writing is on the wall. This represents the hotline on the part of the Chinese leadership. That is to say, it is made. It has been made very clear that the uh, SAR government, that the Kerry Lam administration, has no intention of responding to the demands of the pro-democracy movement, the so-called five demands. There's no intention to negotiate, to build a dialogue, and so on. And naturally, the only alternative is to crack down, to suppress. And uh, in this suppression campaign, the... Uh, Two officers now assume this supervisory role, and has been, and has, and they have started issuing warnings to Hong Kong people that ah, this is right, this is wrong, and so on. Uh, uh, okay. Like yeah, but, okay. I mean, but other people would say, well, that's not much of a suppression. All they're doing is talking. Uh, does that really amount to uh, interference? They haven't actually uh, changed anything uh, substantially, uh, and people talk. Because you, you get endless views expressed uh, uh, in Hong Kong in this program and everywhere, and it's really just a, it's really just another view. Uh, and also, as Alan Zeman was saying, if I could sort of uh, uh, put it in other words, uh, China's the boss, Beijing's the boss. Uh, it always has been. It always will be. Get used to it. Well, this is most unfortunate. This is the most unfortunate attitude to adopt. I think. Well, we well boo-hoo, but it's it's how it's, it's, it's always been the reality. No, no, we we have to accept the reality. We have to accept the reality. Um, the reality is that if Beijing, if the Chinese government chooses to pay the price, it can do what it wants. It can ask the PLA to assume control of Hong Kong. We accept that. It has the constitutional power to do so. We can't resist. But we all believe that, we all believe, we all live, we all function with the assumption that all parties concerned would like to maintain, above all else, the stability and prosperity of Hong Kong, would like to respect the dignity and the basic rights of Hong Kong people so that this place can prosper 
so that this place can also contribute to the modernization of China. That is why we are saying all these things. That is why we are offering the commentary uh, that such acts are, are damaging, compromising the one, de- one country, two systems model, uh, the high degree of autonomy, and so on. If you say the Chinese authorities have perfect right to do anything, we have nothing to say. We, only, we can only say that this can be very damaging. This will exact a very high price on, on the people of Hong Kong. Um, so um, a, a lot of people are saying that, that these remarks and um, uh, these sort of new gestures uh, have a lot to do with the forthcoming Legislative Council election. Um, do you think so? I guess so. I, I guess the, the message is, is quite clear that uh, this is the hard line. Hong Kong people have to accept this hard line. We are not going to uh, uh, make concessions. We are not going to establish a dialogue with the opposition. And even if you guys manage to secure a majority in the legislature, there are a lot of things we can still do. Uh, we can... Uh, exert pressure on you, we can even uh, deprive you of the disqualify you from your status as a legislator because of your uh, uh, alleged uh, political stand concerning independence, concerning autonomy, and so on. And at the very end, we are going to assume control. We are going to impose Article 23 legislation. If it cannot go through the legislature, then we can make it a national legislation and we can then uh, attach it to the appendix of the basic law. We know. So these are gestures, including the arrest of the prominent uh, pro-democracy activists last Saturday. So these are pressure tactics. These are symbolic acts to demonstrate this willingness to take a hard line. uh, It won't win hearts and minds in Hong Kong, I think it's fair to say. And... They know that, don't they? So what's the what's the plan? Um, they're just going to increase the vote for the Democrats, aren't they, by doing this kind of thing? They'll just be galvanising their supporters. I agree with you. I, uh, such acts will not win the hearts of the people of Hong Kong. Such acts will not contribute to the good performance of the pro-Beijing United Front in the coming elections. And in fact, it will probably be damaging to their potential performance in the coming elections. But I think um, this, to some extent, is a rather typical uh, response, uh, a reaction on the part of the Chinese authorities in view of the deteriorating domestic and external environment. It will like to demonstrate that it is willing to pay the price. Its top priority is to preserve the regime, is to preserve the power of the regime, and to that end, it is willing to pay the price. And I think this is exactly the message uh, sent to Hong Kong people. I think the Chinese leaders are certainly wise enough, sophisticated enough to understand that such acts will not win the hearts and minds of Hong Kong people, that the arrests and so on actually will uh, alienate the international community and, we are, and will arise 
arouse criticisms, arouse criticisms from the international community. I think they are wise enough to anticipate. So, 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 what's, so what's Beijing? What's the aim? So Beijing saying, "Look, we we really don't care. We will do anything." And you have to accept the baseline yeah. defined by the Chinese authorities. You have to accept the baseline uh, defined by the Chinese authorities. Do not do not do not challenge those baselines. Do not think that you can. Uh, win a majority, but in they're the right. But they're right. We don't get in an argument with your boss. Be a little bit more subtle about it. <laughs> if you want to get something, don't confront them head on. Yes, I. For example, I I have been naive enough to appeal in your program a few times that hopefully the Carrie Lam administration will have a dialogue with the pro-democracy camp. Just now, I was still suggesting that the Carrie Lam administration should explain to the Chinese authorities the damages uh, that are going to to prevail through uh, allowing uh, the two officers to assume a supervisory role that hopefully, even if they assume a supervisory role, they should send their views, their comments, their advice, their guidance to the central government and let the central government to send instructions to, to the Kerry Lam uh, administration instead of making public commentaries on the behavior, on the acts of the judiciary and the legislature. I'm try still trying to offer that kind of uh, suggestions, ad ad advice. But at the same, uh, but in a sh very brief response to what you have just said, people have choices. You can, uh, for the sake of stability and prosperity, you can keep quiet, keep your head low, and behave like Hong Kong, behave as Hong Kong. Uh, it's just like another city in mainland China. At, at the same time, you also have the choice. You will, you will engage in political struggles uh, through which you hope to preserve your rights, you hope to uh, maintain your dignity. And I think you see the younger generation of Hong Kong people have clearly uh, indicated their choices already. Okay, uh, a lot of emails are on this topic. Uh, first of all, one from, from Peter, just linking to our first topic in the program. Today, Peter says Hong Kong didn't report any new cases, which is a great achievement compared with many other countries. However, Hong Kong should still enforce strict infection control measures and border restrictions to other countries reporting new infection rates. Once local COVID-19 cases stabilise and Hong Kong doesn't have any new infections for perhaps 14 to 28 days, Hong Kong should be able to relax its border restrictions to mainland China and gradually increase the flow of goods. Of course, this might just be wishful thinking is anti-government protesters and pan-democrats driven by their ideology and their US puppet masters would rather see the local economy completely in ruins and destroyed before agreeing to relax border restrictions with the mainland. That comes uh, from Peter. Uh, and Peter M says, trust in the Hong Kong government was already at an extremely low level in the community. So I wonder what they think their own three interpretations and reinterpretations of Article 22 within a few hours of each other has done for their credibility. Meanwhile, I wonder what Tung Chi Wah, Donald Jung and C.Y. Lung think of Tam Yu Chung's statement that all along for the past 20 years since the handover the Hong Kong government has misunderstood the basic law and the meaning of Article 22, I assume you mean there 
That comes uh, from uh, Peter M. Andrew says, rather than handpick well-known Democrats who protested peacefully last year for a deliberately high-profile mass arrest, whether Beijing was behind it or not, it's allowed snub three days before today. The anniversary of what citizens see as improper policing in Yunlong was the timing of these urgent arrests designed to anger the public to come out in larger numbers this evening so that a few more arrests can be made in perpetual justification for the huge budget increase to the police force recently granted. It's a continuing insult to the disgusted wider Hong Kong adult population that Yunlong triad thuggery remains largely unpunished and police inaction uninvestigated, while peaceful protesters are arrested as a matter of priority. Who is deciding this priority? Certainly not the Hong Kong taxpayer paying the generous salaries of the Hong Kong police and judiciary. Uh, G says, if the mainland view of Article 22 has not changed, why have we in the past seen the farce and fig leaf of our great and good being asked to travel to Shenzhen to have messages conveyed to them? We all know it's been going on since the year dot. Now it's just that the fig leaf has been stripped away. And don't forget West Kowloon Station, where part of the SAR is an area to which even basic law does not apply, so none of the human rights protections apply. We always knew the day would come. One country, two systems has evaporated. That comes uh, from G. Uh, Jalal says, please ask Joseph if he's read the 2007 statement of the Hong Kong Macau Affairs Bureau, uh, sorry, the Constitutional Mainland Affairs Bureau confirming the public reading of uh, Article 22 and again has a, has a link to that. And Toby, uh, the uh, policeman, says, uh, I refer to the email from Richard, which you read out just before the nine o'clock news this morning. Please feel free to confirm that I am a police officer. I am posting from an official police address. Uh, plus others uh, in Radio 3 can confirm my occupation. Uh, to address his points about my email, he's correct that bank chat is not a court of law. And there was nothing in my email that suggested I was doing so. All I was asking for was Alan Lung or anyone else who makes wild, inaccurate, baseless and damaging allegations in public be called to account for their comments or treated with the scorn they deserve. If they are to make such comments, they have to do something to support their allegations, as widely held beliefs is not worth the paper it's written on. That comes uh, from Toby, who I can confirm is uh, posting from uh, a uh, police uh, address. That's why I refer to him as a, as a serving uh, policeman. Well, thank you very much indeed for that. One more comment from TC on Facebook. Thank you very much, TC. TC says, if... Uh, Tam Chung is right uh, in that the SAR uh, hadn't understood the basic law, then this is a scary proposition. Apparently the people who had been in power for 20-plus years in Hong Kong don't have a proper understanding of the Territory's constitutional document. That comes from TC. Thank you very much indeed. Joseph Cheng, thank you very much indeed for, for joining us this morning, uh, former professor of politics at uh, City University. And uh, Ada, many thanks to you uh, as well. That's it for the programme for today. Back at 8.30 tomorrow, as ever. And